we're talking about Mark chapters 11 and following in the last seven days of Jesus' ministry and life. And we're in Mark chapter 11, where he goes into the temple uh, through demonstrating by riding on a donkey. And then he goes into the temple and stops sacrifice. And then you have episodes on Tuesday, which is today, where Jesus is going to have a bunch of challenges, questions that will seem to each of us to be challenging Jesus' authority. And Jesus will, of course, answer them and be brilliant as always. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Not all of them, because there's many. Tuesday seems to be the longest day for Mark, as it will cover a few chapters, even on into chapter 13, uh, and, and all about the destruction of the temple and the city, as we talked about a little bit yesterday. So, you're listening to Lighthouse Podcast. We'll be talking about those things, these challenges that Jesus faces in here just in just a moment. So again, we're talking about Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through chapter 13, verse 37, a total of 115 verses. So the next longest days are Thursday, which are 60 verses, and Friday, which is 47 verses long. So Tuesday is the longest day in Mark's story of Jesus' final week. About two-thirds of Tuesday consists of conflict with temple authorities and their associates, the scribes. So the remaining third, um, which is chapter 13, warns of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and speaks of the coming of the Son of Man all in the near future. So the day begins with a flashback to Monday by closing the frame of the fig tree around the temple incident. Tuesday morning, as Jesus and his followers returned to Jerusalem from nearby Bethany, where they had spent the night, they see the fig tree withered away to its roots. So the fig tree symbolizes Jerusalem and the uh, temple. And so what we're seeing is that Mark is juxtaposing uh, the withered fig tree with a saying about this mountain, that is Mount Zion, on which 
the temple stood, being thrown into the sea. So in closing, as in the opening frame, the fig tree frames the and reflects on Jesus' deed and word in the temple. So what we have are a few of these challenges <clears throat> that Jesus is going to uh, talk about. And um, his authority is going to be challenged. So let me just read chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. Again, they came to Jerusalem as he was walking in the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Answer me. They argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say of human origin? They were afraid of the crowd, for all regarded John as truly a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. So the things that they're asking Jesus about uh, have to be the idea of his entry into Jerusalem on the donkey, which would have been a symbolic action which fulfilled or at least reflected on Zechariah 9.9, where Jesus is the humble king entering the city, which would have been, as we said before, would have been different than the uh, Roman authorities uh, represented by Pilate coming into the city on military horse, along with his auxiliary troops, and all of the pomp and circumstance that goes with that. And in the past, it was Alexander the Great who might have entered the city, uh, and we hear of his, um, uh, dis we hear of that happening in Jadis, the high priest, uh, welcoming him, and then telling him how he will defeat the Persians because that's what the prophet Daniel spoke about concerning him. So Jesus is doing some symbolic actions. He's overturning the tables of the money changers and of those who sold doves. And so then he begins teaching about how the temple is going to be a, uh, or how the temple has been made a den of robbers or a safe house for crime bosses. And so Jesus is condemning the nature that the temple has become. It's become a place that has harbored uh, the corrupt. And so they ask, by whose authority do you do these things? And so Jesus is obviously going to uh, question them back and trap them. And so he's brilliant in doing that. So if they answer, 
if if they think about it when they ask when they're asked about John's baptism, if they say yes, uh, uh, it was from heaven. In other words, it was something that God uh, ordained or God appointed through John, who is a prophet then of course they would have been guilty of not having obeyed it because they claim to uh, be the uh, strictest followers of God. And if they say, well, we don't, um, or if they, if they say, no, it's of human origin, then they of course would have had to deal with the, probably the fickle crowd, or at least let's say the unstable crowd that loved hearing Jesus teach these things, and so they would have uh, been afraid of the crowd. And so this, and so they just decide to kind of um, not play their cards in a, in a way. And so Jesus says, well, then I'm not going to play mine. And he is the one who is <laughs> obviously trapping them. And we see this happening in this Tuesday, so th- there's a lot going on, obviously, in chapter 11, 37, all the way through uh, 13. And there's going to be, again, the idea of Jesus talking about uh, to the disciples about uh, throwing this mountain into the sea. And so, again, he's referring to the temple and the city and remember that in the previous episodes, we're talking about the idea of Jesus coming in and his demonstrations and protest mean that he is forecasting the destruction of the temple and the city, just like Jeremiah would have done in Jeremiah 7, I believe, where he is talking about or at least illustrating through symbolic action, kind of like somebody building a Lego model of the temple in the city, and then like a child destroying it, and then rebuilding it and destroying it and rebuilding it. And so when people see him doing this in Jeremiah's day, they're like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you doing these things? And Jeremiah would then say, of course, well, the Babylonians are going to come and destroy you for real. That's why I'm illustrating this. And so this is what Jesus is, is doing is he's, he's acting prophetically like a prophet. And he is forecasting the destruction of the city and the temple again. So just as the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple in the city. I believe it was in 586 um, before Jesus, uh, BC. And and that's, a, that's another note that we need to make sure of that we pay attention to. BCE and BC are different just as uh, CE and AD are different. BC, of course, means before Christ and then BCE means before the common era. And so CE means common era. And AD uh, does not mean after death, but it, it is Latin for in the year of our Lord, which mean is in Latin anal domini. 
So you have this idea that when we look back to the destruction of the temple and the city in 586, now you have a parallel which Jesus is forecasting by his protesting and his demonstration. And now he is in the temple among the huge uh, crowd, which are pilgrims who have come there for uh, Passover. And there are going to be a lot of people listening to Jesus. And so you have in the temple courts uh, the opportunity as a Pharisee or as a scribe or as a member of the um, temple aristocracy, the Sanhedrin, Sadducees, and so forth. You'll have them too in, in these episodes. They can come and listen to Jesus and then try to trap him. And so he's, he's got popularity, obviously. And what we're hearing here on this Tuesday, this long, drawn-out Tuesday, is that uh, you have um, Jesus indicting them with uh, the, the parable of the vineyard. They want their greedy. Uh, those who are in charge of the temple are, are, are greedy, and they want uh, the entire vineyard, which is God's vineyard, which would be located in another parable in Isaiah 5. And so you have this idea of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and not all of them, but uh, many of them. Um, you have them, have them trying to gain control of something that is not theirs, uh, theirs, and then you have Jesus telling the parable against them, and they understand that it is against them. So the parable of the vineyard, as you read through that, you will see how they uh, can easily tell that um, Jesus is talking about them. So um, you have that, and then you have the taxes uh, to Caesar question, or the tribute. So let me read that in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Uh, then they sent uh, to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. So he was saying something. And they came to him and they came and said to him, Teacher, uh, we know that you're sincere or true, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful, then, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? And But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? And they answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Now, that's a, a very interesting phrase, that they were utterly amazed at him. So in, in, in my past, uh, I have heard this taught um, in several different ways, but most of the time it's taught about, it's taught to mean uh, about how we should have separation of church and state. In other words, you, you have the spiritual realm, which you 
give God what's due to him. But then you, for the government, you give uh, to the government what's theirs. And this is going to miss the point with this. Uh, that's not amazing, okay? That's, that's nothing uh, to be marveling at. Uh, especially with the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were those who were in in power. So you have this idea of the Herodian dynasty that is trying to trap him and discredit Jesus. So he has some, he does something here that's very interesting. Um, and it's difficult to see in the text because it's not explicitly written down. And what we have here is Jesus asking them to pr- produce a coin. Now, it's a coin which would have um, represented the temple tribute, and, and that has a lot of implications itself within um, the, the production of the coin because that's what we are seeing the Romans take. And then you have all of uh, the money that is really being brought into the temple that is is incredible. There's an incredible amount of wealth uh, going into the hands of the Romans through the temple. And so this is part of the reason why you have Jesus talking about the temple as uh, his father's house has been made a house of merchandise or um, business. Uh, John chapter 2, he'll say that. So what you have here is Jesus asking them to produce a coin. Now, there evidently there was in Judaism, there were coins that were made um, that did not have something very unique on them, which this denarius did. Some coins did not have graven images of animals or humans, which they would have considered idolatrous. And so Jesus didn't have this coin with him. So in their attempt to trap him, uh, if, if, he says, if he says, yes, just give to Caesar what is Caesar's, or just give, you know, give everything, you, you know, give taxes to Caesar or tribute to Caesar, uh, then you're going to have him be discredited with uh, the crowd. And so he's going to lose his reputation there. But um, you have this interesting thing happening um, with Jesus. And so it's, it's, it's going to be difficult for me to explain in great detail in regard to the Maccabean um, thought behind some of it, which there is some of that, I think. Um, but you have this interesting thing about the, whose inscription, whose image is on it. Um, Jesus knows that the denarius has Caesar's inscription, which has Augustus T. Divifilius on it. And that just means Tiberius is the son of uh, the divine Augustus. And so you have this idea that he is a son of God. And that is meaning that he is deity. And so they are to, if they produce something, out of their pocket like that, then they have committed um, a crime before the crowd, in essence. They have, they have committed almost blasphemy <laughs> by producing the denarius. So they uh, have lost the, the, um, the, in, the entrapment part of it already. Jesus has already 
um, confounded them. But he says something after that where he says, render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's and what and God's what is God's. Well, if he says basically give, give Caesar his coin back or give his money, give the money back to Caesar. But then he says, render unto God what is God's, which means you have to, you have a competition here. Is Caesar God or is God God? And if God is God, then you have to give everything to God and not anything to Caesar, whom they're loyal to. So this is why they were utterly amazed at his question, or I mean his response to their question. So you have some other things here in this um, section of Tuesday, which I'm not going to go into. I'm going to cut it short uh, for us, and I will go into some of these other things a little bit later as an additional episode. Um, but these are amazing things. Is is God the dead of? Um, is God the God of the dead or of the living? You have the idea of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him a question, and it's all about in the resurrection whose life, whose wife will this uh, woman be if she was married to um, seven brothers and so forth. And so you, of course, the Sadducees don't have a belief in the resurrection, so it's another trap. So you have this pattern of Jesus talking about uh, or, or being challenged and then answering the challenge. And then the the end thing that we have, which is very interesting, is the scribe, um, which is all about the great commandment. And the scribe ends up answering the great commandment, uh, which they would have prayed daily. I think twice daily they would have said, uh, the Lord our God, um, uh, you shall love the Lord, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one, you shall love you, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second, uh, they the scribe even says it in this one, but in other text, you have Jesus saying it, um, it's that you shall love the, your neighbor as, this, as yourself. Uh, then the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher, uh, you have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, uh, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices of the temple. And so when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to them, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Um, so this is, again, another extremely um, interesting scenario here because you have a scribe who is in favor of Jesus. Now, usually they're against, uh, especially in Mark in the, in the first uh, introductory uh, parts of the chapter 1, I think. In chapter 2, you're going to have some uh, incidents where Jesus casts out the demons, which represent the scribal order. And so here you have the scribe who's answering wisely. and But there's, again, a theme going on here that we've been talking about. And since this is the Tuesday part, and it's such a long part, um, if you answer like the scribe did or like Jesus did, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, and if it's more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices that the temple can provide then you're basically 
answering the entire Hebrew Bible and, and saying that it is, um, these two answers are uh, better than what the temple has to provide. And that's the key. Uh, because at the, especially at the moment, the temple and all of its sacrifices mean nothing compared to the um, obedience to the law of God. And this is a big deal because Jesus is the one who is embodying the law of God. He's the one fulfilling it. He's the one bringing the true kingdom of God um, to light on earth. And it's not the temple that's doing this. So that's why you have chapter 13 being a, a chapter about the destruction of the city and the temple. Because it's just not producing what it should have. And this is why we have... Uh, the earlier forecasting of its destruction or their destruction. So that's a lot to take in on a Tuesday, right? So we have all of these things to think about uh, in Mark as we go through the week, uh, the last week of Jesus' life and ministry uh, in his death on the cross and his resurrection. So uh, some of these things we need to think more about, uh, but we're going to do that in in all of our episodes uh, that follow and get into greater detail and even hit these again in a greater way. But these are for summary purposes to keep us going toward the idea of the end of the week and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which is a highlight which makes Jesus out to be truly the king of the world. And we see him uh, being crucified and then God vindicating him through the resurrection uh, of the dead, being raised from the dead to prove that Jesus is the king. Now, having said that, there's a lot to do uh, that is parallel to the idea of some other themes in culture, Roman culture perhaps, that we're going to talk about uh, as the days progress. So I'm going to try to remember that. And if you have any questions about that, you can write them to gcoc.news at gmail.com and I'll try to address those as we do in episodes. So again, thank you for listening. And we're going to continue with Wednesday tomorrow, uh, because tomorrow is Wednesday, and we're going to follow Jesus along that week and see how this all plays out. And I'll talk more about chapter 13 and the destruction of the city and the temple uh, even more. Uh, so there's a lot in there. So let's enjoy this as we go throughout this week. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Lighthouse Podcast, and my name is Ty Nickel.